Welcome to the Fitbox Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Frankie. Glad you're here listening. On our podcast, we talk about two main things. First and foremost, we interview members of Fitbox so that way you can hear their stories about how they're repaying debt, how they're saving for retirement, buying homes, all this type of stuff, really to give you motivation and some different ideas. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing our podcast do is we take individual finance topics and go through them in more detail so that way you can say, does this apply to me and how does this apply to my plan? So if you have questions or you want to sign up for Fitbucks, you can do so in the show notes, fitbucks.com, build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Ranke. Thank you for joining us. Have a fun one today. We're going to be talking about... Um, you know, one of the big things that I see holding back people in finance, but also more importantly, what I see holding them back just in general. All right, I'm going to give you some some real life examples that uh, make people do this. Just give you show you how it happens in real life, and it has to do with academia and what academia basically teaches us um, and how it affects just day to day life, but also on your finances. So I'll give you those day to day examples and then talk about it from a financial perspective and how can you can avoid this quote-unquote mistake from uh, a financial perspective. Uh, before we jump in, as you guys know, um, our financial planning technology is now live. Make sure you go out, build your financial plan. We just added in a new investment technology into it too. If you haven't heard about that, it is awesome. It tells you about your ability to take risks. So build your profiles, build your plans, get on the right track. Let's dive right into the podcast. All right, so what's this problem that I'm talking about? Again, I don't even really have a name for it. The, the best thing that I can do is describe it. Um, and as I mentioned, it has to do with a lot of like academia and our monetization or our, our memorization and regurgitation system that we have. Notice I didn't say education system. Um, I guess you can call it the education system. I call it the memorization and regurgitation system. Um, basically, it, it absolutely crushes creativeness. Okay. And now I'm not saying that is necessarily bad because you'll see by the end of this podcast, we actually need both. We need the stuff that academia talks about, but we also need creativeness. But in my opinion, it's getting extremely lopsided. And again, I'm, I'm going to go through some real life examples with what I mean by that. Okay. Um, so I'll give you like three examples. Um, what I mean by you know, academia crushing creativeness. And then, like I said, I'm going to give you these two examples and then I'm going to go into explaining how this applies to you financially and how do you avoid all this stuff, okay? This uh, first example is, is you know, a really good one that I see all the time. And it's how science is not really science, right? You know, what has been in terms of science now, or a scientist, or archaeology, or whatever it is. And what I mean by that is a lot of science nowadays, when you go to school, they don't talk about anything except for what's peer-reviewed. And by definition, for example, peer-reviewed means it's agreed upon by everybody. And if you even think or say anything outside those boxes of what's peer-reviewed, you just get slammed by your by your classmates and your colleagues and your teachers and, and everybody else being like, oh, you're a nut. You don't know what you're talking about. So that reduces creativity. And, and I'll give you an example. I mean, when Albert Einstein came out with his theories, 
He was slammed by the peer-reviewed people. And now he's considered a genius. Basically, the long story short, the way you can think about this is everything that's, that's peer-reviewed now at one time was fringe. It was in the outside. And the reason why that's such a big deal is because nowadays it just seems like so much, especially with social media, you have any type of fringe thought like, hey, this might be something different than what these peer reviews or, you know, articles are telling me. If you bring it up at all, you're just absolutely slammed. You just told you're an idiot, like you don't know what you're talking about, like get lost. And the big risk is you might get actually run out of your profession. Again, science, I bring that up. I see it a lot in archaeology. I mean, I can't tell you how many times over the years, because I, I like researching archaeology stuff and, and just looking into historical stuff. I can't tell you how many times I would read a quote-unquote fringe article about, oh, well, we think, you know, we found this, we think it's this, whatever it is. And then I would read another article about the same thing coming from, you know, the, the peer-reviewed people, the academic people, basically blasting the person, saying that they're stupid and, like, this doesn't make any sense and blah, 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 blah. And then now fast forward like 10 years later, 15 years later, what that quote-unquote fringe person was talking about is now accepted as everything. And it's like, you know, again, the the peer review stuff is not bad. But when you say this is the only thing, that's when it gets bad. And and then I also see it in healthcare. You know, it's, it's evidence-based everything. Evidence, evidence, evidence-based, evidence-based. And again, evidence-based things are not bad. Like when I go to the doctor and I need a surgery... I want him to be doing stuff that's based on evidence. That's that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is anytime I see it all the time in, in healthcare, because obviously we work with a lot with healthcare people, and I see it on social media a lot, where somebody comes up and says, hey, well, what about it, you know, doing X, Y, Z? And it's like, boom, no. And it's like, well, why not? And they're like, well, it's not evidence-based. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit. Like, we just came up with this. We don't even have time to collect evidence. So you're just going to shoot it down because we haven't had time to collect evidence yet? Like... This doesn't make any sense. And it's like, well, it's not going to work because it's not. And, and the reason why I say this is academia is because a lot of these peer revisions, evidence-based stuff, all that type of stuff, it comes from academia. Like when we go through school and we go through college and all that type of stuff, we're not allowed to say, well, I'm going to think outside of this. I'm not allowed to question the status quo because if I question it, then I'm not going to get a good grade. And in order to graduate, I got to get a good grade. So I'm going to regurgitate what what they told me to and you might be thinking to yourself well yeah but that's just one thing I, I can think something else that's true but think about it you went to school for like 20 years and for 20 years they've been telling you regurgitate 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 so even if you say well think about this eventually you can start changing your mind and that's why i see it all the time especially now that i have you know a five-year-old you know when we're children we're extremely extremely creative but where does that creativity go well, a lot of it, like I said, it has to do with the, the academic system, the education system. Like, especially once we start going into like grad school and doctorate schools and everything like that. It's like, no, this is it. Don't question it, period. And then when you get out, it's like you're, you're so used to hearing that that it's like, well, this is evidence-based. You know, this is peer-reviewed. If it's not, get it out of my face, right? And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. We, we need evidence-based, obviously, because like I said, I'm not going to go to a doctor and have them say, Hey, you need surgery, but I'm going to try this new thing that's never been tested on you before. And, you know, maybe you survive. Yeah, no, that's not going to work, right? But we're so quick to shoot down things. And like I said, I'm going to give you one more example before I go in and say, well, how does this hurt people financially? Okay. Uh, the one more example I'll give you is actually with myself and finance and investing. So those of you that don't know, my, my background is investing. Okay. 
And I get used to get ridiculed. I still get ridiculed by people that I know in the finance industry, which is amazing to me because when I was coming through, um, you know, getting my CFA charter and all that type of stuff, I used to not think and and regurgitate the terms that they would use on all these academia things and all that type of stuff. I would learn what it is, and then I would come up with a term that I understood it better. And so when I talk to to people about it, especially in the world of finance, I will use my own terms, and they're like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Okay, but that's not the big deal. The big deal is is like I came up because I understood the stuff. I said, "Well, look, this is you know what guys at Harvard are being taught. This is what guys at MIT. This is what guys on Wall Street are doing." And basically, they're all doing the same thing because that's what they were taught. And I was like, "Well." You know, let me come up with my own way. So I don't expect most of you guys to know what this stuff is, but like when it came to M and A type of uh, investments, I came up with my own strategies. When it came to calculating beta to calculate risk, I came up with my own strategies on how to calculate it. Um, doing things like uh, uh, discounting cash flows, like to come up with valuations. I I use my own methodologies, and I was told that I was crazy that it doesn't make any sense to do it. And it's like, well, look at the results. Right, like my results were a lot better than what your typical analyst gets, what your typical investor gets. Like, you know, I made a lot of money doing it. And the amazing part to me is those guys that are working on Wall Street, working for somebody else, they're not even investing their own money. They're they're sitting there, you know, telling me that I'm wrong, and they're going to still be working until they're sixty or sixty five. And meanwhile, like I had enough wealth to retire six years ago, like. What is like, what are you talking about? And they just keep saying, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're, you're wrong. Your strategies are wrong because it's not what they were taught. And it's like, <laughs> you guys are morons. And again, that's not a bad thing. They're making a great living doing it. But that's where I'm getting into, you know, I want to give you that example because this is where we get into like financial stuff. Because when it comes to your personal finances, okay, you have to look at this and say, I I'm one of three people. Like the first person is the person that maybe never went to school, didn't really value education, doesn't really, you know, it's like whatever, I don't really care, I'm just going to go through my life. With finances, it's the same thing. And it's like, well, I'm just going to keep the status quo, it doesn't really matter, I'm just going to put my head in the sand, and whatever. It, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, you know, that, that's a lot of people, uh, unfortunately. Now, the second group of people... What they do is say, no, I do want to get on top of this. And they go to a professional, the same way I would go to like a PT or a PA or whoever it is to get advice or a lawyer. I'm like, look, I need your advice and I need to do the X, Y, Z. So they go to a quote unquote financial expert. And that financial expert is just regurgitating a lot of times stuff that they've been told. And that's it because that's what academia says. And if you guys don't know this about finance, Okay, all these things from diversification to efficient market portfolios to all these different things, they're all based on academia. Academia, primarily because we need something to hold up in court when we have arguments and all that type of stuff, but it all comes from academia. And the amazing thing is when you actually read it, a lot of the guys that come up with it will say stuff like, this isn't actually applicable in real life because there's XYZ variables that we can't account for and all this type of stuff. But yet, these theories are still then applied to everybody else. Still. And so these guys that are quote-unquote financial experts, they go and they just regurgitate a lot of these things. And so you, you have no education or little education on this stuff. So a lot of times you just end up regurgitating it 
and you're going to get the same results that most people get. And what that means is you're not going to have enough money for retirement. You're not going to hit your goals when you think you're going to hit your goals. Because that's what the status quo is doing. <laughs> like, when you actually look at the number of people that are so far behind in this country, that's the status quo. Right? And, again, a lot of us, that's not our fault because no education just shows you about, like, a lot of people in the financial industry, that's what they're doing is just memorizing and regurgitating what they were told. And a lot of it is just then turning around and marketing. So things like, you know, diversify like this. Most financial experts that you talk to, that you pay, can't even tell you what diversification actually is, like the mathematics behind it. Like, what is it? Okay, a lot of you that are listening to this are healthcare professionals. It's statistics. You guys actually probably, if somebody explained to you diversification, you probably know more because you have a statistical background for med school um, versus your traditional financial planner. That's the amazing part. Okay. Or they tell you, hey, you're young, so you should take XYZ risk. Or you're old, so you can you should be taking XYZ risk. And it's all just cookie cutter type of information. Okay. So again, going back to the finances and your finances, what are you to do about this? Basically, you need to decide what do I want to do? Like, what do I want to do? What do I need to start understanding? So that's the first type of person. Okay, they they go with the status quo, which means either doing nothing or they go to like a financial, quote unquote, financial planner and they, they pay them and... They get some cookie cutter advice and they, that, that, they just leave it at that, that and they put it their head back in the sand. Now, the second type of person is obviously what we recommend um, at a minimum. Okay, this is the second type of person would be to say, look, I got to decide, you know, what is quote unquote evidence based and what's what works, like what in practice actually works. Like, what is the evidence doing? Do I understand that? And then go from there. Okay. And I'll summarize it for you. First of all, you need to learn how to plan properly, okay? How to think about money properly. Like Part of listening to this podcast is trying to educate yourself on how to think about money properly. And so when I talk about planning properly, okay, I'll give you an example, okay? Uh, a lot of people, you might have heard this podcast or some of our content about this. A lot of people, when they go to budget, right? That, that's a common like, status quo regurgitated answer. You got to build a budget. They don't even know why they're building a budget. They think a budget is a financial plan. It's not. A budget is part of a financial plan. Okay, and it's really to organize your data. But even people that understand that, they then organize it incorrectly because they just throw it up on like an Excel sheet or in an app that just has a bunch of just stuff all over the place. Okay, you need to organize it correctly, and, and we do it with our you know three steps or the way we think about money in three categories here at Fitbox. So you know this is my today money, which is your income and day to day expenses. This is money for my future goals, which is things for like building uh, savings for short term goals, building my retirement, paying off debt. So that's the second bucket. And the third bucket is protecting my financial plan. So my insurances, so like life insurance, disability insurance. When you start thinking about money that way, it starts structuring it correctly. Okay, so instead of just listening to somebody and doing what they say, and like I said, that doesn't work. Okay. Um, also, like as part of your financial plan, you got to look at like, what's my ability to take risk? Like, what's my true ability to take risk? I I'm not just going to get some cookie cutter thing that some financial you know investment advisors giving me so th th what i mean by that by the way why do i say this okay you got to think about this you guys go to a traditional investment advisor okay 
let's just say, you know, you have a million dollar account. That investment advisor might make $10,000 a year off of you, okay? And not only that, but they don't make that. They actually have to give a lot of that back to their firm. So they might only make like three or $4,000 a year off of a million dollar account, okay? That's it. And so to make $30,000 to $50,000 a year, they need at least $10 million accounts, okay? Now, if you come in, you got $10,000 and they're going to make like 300 off of you, not even that, $30 off of you a year, do you think that they're going to really give you some customized down to the T advice? No, they're going to give you some cookie cutter BS. Okay, and that's what you're going to pay for. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, which, by the way, uh, shameless plug, I brought up the investment technology we brought up uh, the other day. You don't need any of that. You plug in the stuff, it tells you your ability to take risk, and you go and can do that. Like, you don't need the investment advisor anymore. Like, it's actually the Fitbucks technology is acting as your investment advisor. Um, so anyways, <laughs> that's a side note, right? But that's, you know, the second type of person instead of just blindly following somebody just take the time to say look i need to understand money better okay obviously we're biased towards how to set up a plan with our steps how to think about the categories of where the money's going um as well as saying hey what's my ability to take risk and really understanding what risk is um those are the things and again you don't have to become an expert in any of this stuff you know it'd be like me going into a surgery. And actually, you know what? I'll give you a real life example of how this is, okay? When I was in high school, I went to a uh, doctor uh, for my, sh my shoulder. That's when I first hurt my shoulder, okay? The person I trusted. And they turned around and they were like, you have a shoulder impingement. Never did an MRI, never did anything. Just, you have a shoulder impingement. Wrote me a prescription for Vicodin and I was back on the field playing in about a month. And... You know, PT wasn't really working, and then I ended up playing ice hockey still after that, okay? Ended up being, I didn't have an impingement. Like, my entire labrum was basically gone. It was completely torn. My bone was going and digging another hole into my other part of my bone. I had uh, two torn ligaments. Like, I, I actually ended up having reconstructive surgery. Okay, but I was sitting there just taking Vicodin. Why? Because the status quo was like, oh, that's an impingement. Oh, here's some pills. Go get lost. Right? Because that's what they were told to, to basically do. Okay? Now, again, a lot of you guys in the medical field was like, you know, what, what else goes on in that story? There's, there's a lot in that story that I, I just summarized it, let's just say. Right? But, you know, once I came in and I was like, look, there's something else majorly wrong. And I saw another doctor. The doctor did an MRI and all that type of stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, like, you, you got some jacked up shit going on in your shoulder. Like, this is bad. I mean, my shoulder was, I'll give you an example. My shoulder was so bad. Okay? That's... My freshman year in hockey, like we were going out to Utah to play and our bus flipped and I dislocated my shoulder again. And in the pending lawsuit, the defendant's medical uh, professionals that they got were from UCLA. And when they saw my x-rays and my MRIs, they asked me if they can use all of the of the information and the detail for their program at UCLA because of how messed up my shoulder was and that they wanted to use it for their med school students 
But my doctor that I saw in high school, now keep in mind, I originally hurt my shoulder in high school. It was messed up since I was in high school. And that, that was five years later that, that medical the professionals asked me that. Okay. I did that. I originally hurt my arm when I was 17. And the first doctor I went to just said, oh, it's an impingement. They never even, they never didn't. They asked me, they asked me, hey, how much can you move it? And, you know, all that type of stuff. Where's the pain? When does it hurt? And that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> anyways, long story. You can tell that I'm still a little bit bitter about that one. All right. But, again, that's what a lot of people do. This is the status quo. They just say, hey, look, I'm going to go to a financial planner, and this financial planner is going to regurgitate something to me, and they got other things more important, so they're going to move on with their life. The second type of person is, like I said, you know, get a little bit more understanding um, of your finances, how to build a plan correctly. Like, how do you track a plan correctly? How do What's my actual ability to take risk with my investments? Um, and you don't have to become an expert. Like, after I really hit my shoulder, that's what I went. I started researching shoulder stuff and all that type of stuff and, you know, started digesting some of that. And, again, I'm not a doctor by any means, but, it, you know, I, I know some of the PT stuff, what works, what doesn't, like, all that stuff now. So, um that's the second type of person. Now, the third type of person, this is where the conversation gets really interesting. Okay. I brought up earlier, like, Albert Einstein. Everybody knows who Einstein is. Everybody knows. Guys like Nikola Tesla, whatever it is. They all started off as fringe people. So they could have done the, the typical academia route. I'm going to learn what they're telling me, and then I'm going to be a professor, or I'm going to go work in a chemical lab, or whatever it is. And just regurgitate what I'm told. But guys like Einstein, they, they go out of their way to try to say, no, I want to learn and do X, Y, Z. And they get ridiculed for years. But all of a sudden, oh, he's a genius. Right? We see the same thing in the world of uh, finance, in the world of business. Everybody's like, well, what what's, makes a business so different? I mean, if, if everybody just kept the status quo in business, there would be no new businesses. It's those guys that are on the fringe. I mean, I remember, uh, I know some people that worked, growing up in Silicon Valley, I, I met a lot of people that worked at, at Apple when they first started. Um, you know, they're the first 50 employees at the company, first 100, something like that. Um, and so they all know Steve Jobs personally. And they would tell me stories about like when Steve Jobs would go out and pitch Apple when they first started to investors. You know, people would look at him like, he's freaking crazy. You know, same thing, you hear the stories about like Steve Bezos. They're like, this guy's crazy. Like, what the hell are you talking about? That's not possible. And they were like, no, this is possible. We're, gonna, we're doing this. This is what it is because they had the vision of it and they understood it. Now, we look at Apple. It's like, oh, yeah, that's mainstream. Like a, a laptop computer or a desktop computer? That was Steve Jobs' big thing. I'm going to put a computer on every desk. And people looked at him like, you're effing crazy. In every household, I'm going to put a computer in every household. And people are like, what? No way you can do that. And now it's just commonplace. Right. So when this comes to finances, you have to say, is that the type of stuff that I want to do? Try to create a technology, try to create a business that is an outlier, um, you know, try to really get, you know, a ton of wealth. OK. And so those are basically three levels you can think about this from finances. Like if you do nothing right or if you just do the quote unquote status quo that most people do when they go to a financial planner you're most likely going to get what the status quo gets, which is on average, not very good. Okay. Or you could say, look, I'm going to learn a little bit about this. And even if I'm not an expert, I'm going to understand like, hey, this is the part about a financial plan. This is my ability to take risk. I get all that type of stuff. And you're going to have a really good life. 
right? You're, gonna, you're doing to do good. You're going to have your house. You're going to have a decent retirement. And that's good enough for people. That's good enough for a lot of people. And to me, that's like following the evidence-based approach, like the real evidence, like saying, hey, look, like I'm a physical therapist. I went to school. Like I know this evidence stuff. I'm not just, you know, listening to somebody else. I'm actually understanding this and I'm going to go practice this. That's what I look at at that. So like the first level is like, like the person that's like, hey, I went on YouTube and I watched some PT videos and I think I could be a PT now. Yay, I'm going to go give help to people and call myself a PT and even though I'm not really a PT, okay? The second level would be like, no, I went to school. Like I understand some of this stuff and I can actually go practice it. That's what I look at in terms of finance. Like I understand it. Not to the level of actually going to school, because you don't have to go to school to, to, to know all this stuff down to the T, but you're not just 100% reliant on just regurgitating somebody else's stuff and following them blindly, okay? So that's like a second level. The third level is where you're just trying to say, look, not only do I want to be comfortable, but I want to blow this out of the water and make millions upon millions of dollars because of the, the business that I'm creating or the technology I'm creating. And all those... You know, if you look at risk, because I'm always talking about, you know, you got to manage your risk and your return will be there. The first person that just puts their head in the sand or, you know, doesn't um, just blindly follows people, you're taking a lot of risk. Okay. A lot of risk. The third type of person who's like, no, I'm going to go out in a fringe. You're taking a tremendous amount of risk because you might get blackballed out of your industry because people look at you like you're crazy. Um, you might fail, like maybe you were wrong, like Steve Jobs, like hey, I'm going to put every computer on everybody's computer. What if he was wrong, right? Like he took a tremendous amount of risk to do that. But the difference is like with the first person, they take those risks and most of the time the return, the return is not going to ever be there for that risk. Remember, everything is risk versus return. The third person, they're going to take the risk, but if they're right, the return is going to be massive, Okay. But this is why I also stay, say, you know, the evidence-based stuff actually kind of works if you understand it. Is because if you're the second type of person, you're not taking a tremendous amount of risk, but you're going to have a good return. Okay? And that's good enough for most of us. And that's why I'm preaching on this podcast. You know, you don't have to become an expert in this stuff. And you don't have to be on that fringe where you're trading crypto and all that type of stuff. But you can't just blindly say, oh, okay, well... You know, this is what's, you know, some BS that I got and I'm just going to blindly follow it without actually understanding any of it. Like, you got to understand a little bit of it. And again, that's for those of you listening to the podcast, like reading content, that's part of understanding all this stuff. Yeah, you don't have to become an expert. You know, just know it and understand. Be comfortable with your plan. Don't just blindly follow someone. That's the podcast for the day. Um, again. Try to get out of that mindset. I know a lot of us are very highly educated people, right? A lot of you have your master's degrees and all that type of stuff. And we've been taught, you know, through school, this is what I'm supposed to do. Only do this. Now, if I do that in finance, it's not going to be good enough. I can't just blindly follow this. I need to understand it a little bit more. I need to understand it and possibly come up with some ideas on my own and then implement that. Okay. Um, so don't just blindly accept stuff, you know, like, Hey, like diversify. It's like, what does that even mean? What does diversify mean? Hey, build a budget. Oh, well, why am I building a budget? Understand those simple concepts of why, how do I appropriately do it? So on and so forth. So again, that's the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Build your profile, build your financial plan of fit bucks, and we'll be talking to you soon.